listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White. Joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. Thanks. Friday, you know, when we're recording this and... (laughs) Yeah, yes, not you, so could be, you could be listening to it at any day of the week, but we will put you in a Friday state of mind. <laughs> Wait, are we going to the pub after this? What's going on? We were at the pub before this, Jeff. Let's be, honest with, our, point. Let's yeah. be honest with our listeners. It's like, you know, can they still be coherent after a couple of beers at lunch? Stay tuned. <laughs> Generally, the answer has been yes. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or 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 they can't tell the difference. <laughs> it's true. It's doesn't true. mean that this is, co- doesn't mean that there's coherence on either side of the lunch. It's but just, this is this is what you get if you uh, you know you run an agency. It's, exactly uh, right. Yeah, yeah. You choose this lifestyle. So, um, <laughs> so joining us today is Jonathan Quinn. Jonathan is the VP of Marketing and Sustainability at Acredo Packaging. Welcome to the Coolering, Jonathan. Thank you so much, guys. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's awesome to have you on the show. And I gotta say, like, you know, we've like we've gotta be I think look, I think in a in a in a survey that I'm planning on conducting, we've been voted the number one champions of the packaging industry. I mean, I don't know how many folks in the packaging industry we've had on the show. We have a number of clients in the packaging space. It's just something I find kind of a it's a really kind of interesting little niche category i'm really excited to have you on the show can you maybe tell our listeners a bit about acredo and yourself and uh, kind of get us underway yeah so so um well the packaging speaking from the packaging industry we uh, we appreciate the support and appreciate uh, the visibility that you provide us but um yeah so i um my story around packaging really started um as a little kid i grew up around the industry i was in the lab doing testing uh before i pretty much could even tie my shoes um but uh but the flexible packaging industry is something that's provided me a a tremendous amount of value um and i've been able to um throughout my career i i studied packaging went to school to clemson and studied packaging um and business and then have been in the the packaging industry um, ever since then, really wanted, grew up around the industry, so wanted to be exposed to the, it's called the commercial end. And so started in, uh, in sales and um, sales management roles, and then transitioned into to marketing. Uh, and that's where I've been, in addition to adding into the, the sustainability realm over the past, uh, call it seven years. Um, and really focus in on how we can and enable and, and showcase to the consumers the value that flexible packaging provides and, and really how uh, sustainability is, is critical um, to the industry and, and we enable sustainability for the consumer. I think you had mentioned when we spoke before that there's a photo of you at like three years old in a vat of resin, like not, the, not a not, vat. Not but, actually in the vat. Like yeah, no. Drowning but, in the- in a, in a in a box in a box of resin yeah, yeah. a box of resin yeah so the you're right the packaging runs deep i like that the packaging industry i didn't choose the packing the packaging industry the packaging industry shows me kind of thing yep exactly exactly uh 
And the, look, you 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 hinged on the um on, on that sustainability side of uh, of of this conversation, and and that's you've been pretty uh, active even in um, uh, bringing the industry's message forward to politicians in Washington and et cetera to really kind of advocate on that sustainability side. Do I have that right? Yeah, no, it's it's critical. I mean, at the end of the day politicians are what? I mean, basically, consumers are politicians in training uh, because all politicians were, before they became politicians, were, were consumers. But um, And that's where that consumer education comes into play. But now we have to educate we have to educate the legislators on the value of materials, on why material selection is so important. And there's a science and factual based reasoning behind it and giving them a, an outlet and a source um, for, for insight and for knowledge and awareness so that when these policies and various legislation comes up, that they understand why and, and what sort of decisions and are able to eliminate emotion from the conversation. So oftentimes people are making decisions based on emotion rather than fact. And that's one of the biggest challenges that that we're faced with um, as an industry. How are you choosing to communicate that? Because, you know, coming from a science-based, fact-based place and, you know, bringing that message both to Credo's customers as well as, uh, you know, politicians and policymakers and, and people like that. Like, how do you frame up that, that, and, and, I don't use the word in a derogatory way, but how do you frame up that story? Yeah. Um, so I will use, a, a, I think, probably a good example of this was um, last year, there was a proposed legislation in the state of California that was banning all plastic e-commerce packaging. And it wasn't just banning plastic e-commerce packaging coming out of the state. It was also banning plastic e-commerce packaging going into the state. And why is this? I mean, that's really a, a big deal because, in essence, it would create a nationwide ban on plastic e commerce packaging. So, we could dive into all the science and fact based reason about why that's wrong. But for the legislative perspective, uh, what I what I talk them through is they're by making those emotional decisions and not trusting the science and fact. Um, in material selection, in essence, what they are doing, because they're in a state that has two state-funded um, packaging engineering programs in the state, and they hadn't talked with them, they hadn't discussed anything associated with this proposed ban. So in essence, they were banning heart medication without talking to a cardiologist. And really that brought to light that you have to have these critical conversations. You have to understand that there will be unintended financial and economic, but also environmental consequences. Because by eliminating plastic, you're eliminating a, not just call it uh, the mailers or air pillows or bubble wrap. I mean, there's so many other things that are eliminated from that conversation. The reason behind those materials being selected was because they perform the best 
and they deliver and they protect the products that they were meant to protect. And by eliminating those materials, you will have those break that breakage, that damage returned and a number of things that all will impact the environment. And then you're increasing the overall weight, which is again going to have an impact on the environment. So you have to talk through those those conversations and make it more tangible and, and more real. You know, there's an interesting hinge in this around uh, what's happening in Europe. Primarily, I think uh, the European country that's leading the way here, I think, is France. Um, uh, when we say leading the way, I mean, we may not be going in the way that we want other people to follow. So leading the way makes it sound virtuous, but um, and, and I think it's debatable whether or not it is. But they, they are the country that's kind of seems to be the most aggressive, I guess, in uh, bringing forward plastic bag bans and things of that sort. So when you talk to a politician in a place like California, like, I guess do you get any kind of the reaction that says like, well, look, these other people are figuring it out. We'll figure it out too. When you say figuring it out, I think um, the bans on, uh, on plastic, particularly with regard to the produce aisle, uh, has been a tremendously and has had tremendous negative impact. Uh, when you look at what shrink wrapping of cucumbers, for example, does, takes shelf life from three days to 21 days. Um, and understanding that it's not just associated with, with, with cucumbers, it's, it's across the board. Um, and that showcases what? The reduction of food waste. And that is a global, global issue that we're dealing with on a monumental uh, sense. And it, the, the, the biggest thing when we look at food waste and, and what it, what exactly does that mean? I mean, it's, it's the fact of the matter is that food waste is the single greatest issue that we have. The single greatest um, harm um, from a greenhouse gas emission s- state uh, is is food waste, um, and that's what we have to to be concerned about. And what consumers really have to understand is that plastic is not evil. Uh, that's not the problem. Uh, is there ways that we can enable plastic to be more recyclable? Is there ways that we can enable plastic to be collected? Um, is there ways that we can improve all that? Yes, but we've got to focus on the fact that food waste is going to be the biggest and will continue to be the biggest challenge that we have as a global, uh, society. Do you find that resonates when you, when you redirect that conversation and make it about food waste, do you get the ahas or do you think people are maybe thinking you're trying to pull a fast one, a little sleight of hand? I think, well, uh, I've done a lot of uh, consumer-based research looking at the mind of the consumers and, and, and not just the mind, but the heart and the mind of the consumer as it pertains to plastic and plastic packaging. When you educate them on the value of those materials, when you educate them in a way that they can understand and we don't talk to them like we're talking to industry professionals, um, they can see the light. They can see the value of, of those materials. Um, it does take time, but those are 
those are factual based things where it doesn't take much to uh, like I just gave that that cucumber example is the perfect example um, that's very tangible, very real. And when you look at uh, the space which that that wrap takes up in the landfill as compared to all the cucumbers, for example, I mean, I'm, uh, that would end up being wasted. Um, and what that does to the environment, it's, it's really tangible and, and really real. Almost a, well, it is a, uh, a total cost of ownership discussion, really, because what you're talking about there is, well, if they only last three days, we need to ship out a truck every, you know, every four days. And rather than doing that, we can do that, you know, twice a month kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you, if you think about it another way. Um, say everybody thinks that everything should come in a, a glass jug. Okay, that's fine. So you're going to get, you're going to get everything. You're going to get your granola in a glass jug just for, for, for example purpose versus getting it in a stand up flexible pouch. Well, just to get the product to the company that's making granola it's going to take 36 times more trucks to get you the equivalent of what you can get on one truck worth of flexible packaging. That's 36 trucks on the road. That's all their emissions. That's all the, the additional uh, harm that that will cause. And that's before you've even filled them. That's before you've gone through that whole process. And then you're. it's going to take equivalent number of trucks to ship out as compared to probably, I don't know the exact next level math on, on that, but it's, it's probably about um, four to one, I would say. Um, so there's significant impact there. And um, the, the people don't, don't, don't realize that stuff. And, and we've got to do a better job of educating the consumer um, and, and when you reflect back about where were their pivotal times, um, call it in, in, in recent history where the consumer should have seen the value of plastic and plastic packaging, it was during the pandemic. It was during a time where we were all relying on safe and protection and, uh, on any number of things where plastic was enabling that. And that was really, in my mind, from a marketer's perspective, was a lost opportunity by a number of brands to come out and showcase and say and talk to the value of, of flexible plastic material uh, and flexible packaging and, and packaging more broadly. Um, because there's people that just feel that your, your, your product should just be wrapped in seaweed and that should be good enough. Uh, or it should be edible. Like, I, I don't know if you've you've seen, I mean, I've seen how my kids walk down the aisles of a grocery store and I know the weird places that they put their hands and I don't want to be eating packaging that's been <laughs> handled by, uh, by my four-year-old. Um, this but, seaweed tastes weird. <laughs> but, um, but I think there's, there's, those are some of those realities that I think, consumers often miss 
There's a fascinating kind of juxtaposition between those two points. I just want to kind of play them back to you a little bit. Because, of course, when you talk about the safety side of it with COVID, I think that's, a, in some ways, it's an easy message, right? You're like, oh, yeah. You know, single use packaging, you know, why you don't want it to be touched multiple times by multiple people in a pandemic. Like, you know, you, you don't have to connect a whole lot of dots there. People can get it pretty quickly, and it's a simple message. I agree with you. It may have been a missed opportunity in the space to um, to tell that story better. I'm contrasting that to a total cost of ownership or a total environmental impact argument, which is kind of the opposite side of the coin. And it always feels to me like the thing I wish I could, the answer I wish I had was to Tell somebody that's in the flexible packaging space that's trying to market a sustainability message. I wish I had a way for them to do that that wasn't about trying to tell the total environmental impact story. or Because it's a harder story, right? You can't grab a hold of it as easy. But the safety and COVID, boom, I get it. Okay, great. Um, do you feel that frustration, I guess, as a marketer in this space? It's like I'm always t- trying to tell the most complex of stories here. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I oftentimes like we, we we talked about the the legislative uh, side of things, um, and we we talk about as an industry collectively, uh, and we act like we're 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 some form of uh, rocket scientists or, or something. We're just we're just making packaging. Um, it. It is complex, and and there's a lot of complexities that are that are and that do make up the industry. Um, but you have to make it simple, and you have to make it easy to understand. And I think that's why right now in my life, uh, because I have young kids, if my kids can understand what sustainable packaging means, I think. A thirty-year-old, or forty-year-old, or fifty-year-old, or sixty-year-old man or woman should be able to understand it, and making sure and testing those messages with kids, um, and that's one of the the key things that I've been been focusing is that we've got to get the message out to kids, and we've got to talk to kids because what do kids do? They take that message and they spread it, just like if you think if I reflect back to when I was in school. It was smoking is bad. Everything was about smoking is bad. And what do we take and do with that message? We take and we spread it and we tell our parents and we tell our friends and we tell our teacher, other teachers, or we tell our, our sports coach or whatever that smoking. Like, mommy, why do you smoke? Have yeah. you heard that was bad today. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and so I think to your question, trying to disarm those frustrations and to disarm um, a certain level of superiority that we, we may think, and it may, maybe superiority is the wrong, wrong word, but um, complexity is probably a better word for it, uh, and, and, and make it simple. Yeah, I mean, I always just find that it's like this, you know, oh, there's, there's more to it than that, and let me explain it to you. It's, like, oof, it's a hard starting point, right? Yeah. It may well be true. But it's just a hard starting point. I think, though, it, it, you know, especially when you're talking about this in a business to business context and you're, 
you know, your industry is in a, a really interesting and pivotal moment as we begin to move towards recyclable packaging in the plastic space, especially being absolutely required in order to sell into some of these bigger accounts. You know, if you're if you're a food manufacturer and you're selling to Walmart, you know, in, in two years, your packaging needs to be recyclable by law. And, you know, we're, we're moving into that point. How are you working with your customers at Acredo to tell the story of sustainability writ large? Because um, you're, you know, almost shifting gears a little bit here and talking a bit more about Acredo because it's a really interesting company that has a very interesting ethos and kind of way of explaining that. Can yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, um, I, I mean, I love to, to talk about that. And um, from a marketer perspective, I'm really lucky to be able to tell the story that I have to tell. And, and that's the story of, of how this business came to be. Um, and it really aligns and, and links with sustainability. But um, this, the company I work for was started um, by, um, by a fa- it's a family built business that was uh, started and really was started by Vietnamese refugees that escaped the fall of Saigon, came to the U.S., came through Florida and then moved and found their way up to New Orleans and started doing what they were doing in Vietnam. And that was shrimp boat fishing. Uh, and they kind of realized that they didn't want to be on the water anymore. And they said, well, let's, let's supply into the, the fishing and shrimping industry and, and started making and started an extrusion operation and started, um, making shrimp bags, um, and grew that business significantly. And that's our advanced poly bag business. And then decided they were going to take a little bit of a, a right turn and, and go down the pathway of, of further in the, the flexible packaging realm of things and, and built and created um, a, uh, a company that is a vertically integrated converter so that we, we make the plastic that we then print and laminate and, and convert. And they didn't just do that. They did it in a different way in the manufacturing facility and manufacturing campus that we have in outside of Houston in, in Sugarland, Texas, is a LEED Silver certified uh, manufacturing facility. There's nobody that has that. That's with so that's doing that in the 2008 2009 timeframe before sustainability was where it is today. In addition to that, we're 100% wind powered. There's nobody that has that. Um, and then what do we do after we further diversified is then we built another basically sister facility in Vietnam to do the same thing that we're doing in, in Sugarland, that facility being uh, solar powered. So we've done, and this company is built on the American dream and it's built on sustainability. Um, and it's really, really cool to be able to be a part of that. Um, and as those major brand owners that you're talking about, as they begin to focus on, um, GHG and scope one, scope two, scope three emissions, our story continues to get more compelling 
and the value that we're able to deliver um, continues to increase. But I just as a person am incredibly, I think, proud of what this family has been able to do and what they escaped and what they've been able to deliver. Um, and I think I, I, I'm really excited as we enter into the, the second generation of the family, uh, taking over in the, in the coming years. Um, and this next chapter that we have in front of us, it's really, really exciting. And, um, it's not something that everybody can say that, that they're a part of, been a part of, uh, and I'm really looking forward to what we're able to, to deliver. There's, um, you know, a powerful story there about, and, and I'm, I'm certain that it, that you're able to extend it into the fact that doing uh, business with a credo helps an organization meet their sustainability objectives uh, because of the, you know, um, um, more sensitive, shall we say, environmental footprint that you have as an organization. Has that lessened any price competitive pressures or is it still a situation like, no, no, no. We still need to be, you know, we still need to to meet the cost side of things, and this is like a uh, a nice to have. Or alternatively, is it shifting to where uh, people are willing to pay maybe even more of a premium in order to be associated with a company that's delivering that kind of environmental benefit that they can then attach themselves to? Yeah. So this the price conversation is is one that is very real. Um, and it's one that I think we're all as consumers, we're all, we're all seeing the, 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 it costs more to go to the grocery store today than it did, uh, three years ago. And I'll tell you, that's not because people are switching to sustainable packaging. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, but the overall price pressure is, is still there. Um, but I think people are, are have made their commitments to enabling or to, to as far as they've made their commitments to be a more sustainable company. They've made their commitments to be more sustainable from their packaging uh, sense. We have the sustainable offerings. We have the solutions. Um, we is there um, a silver bullet? When it comes to sustainable packaging, no, there isn't. There's there's multiple levers that you have to pull, that we have to pull as an industry to be able to support it. But um, the other side of that reality is that consumers aren't going to pay more for sustainable packaging. Consumers can say that they will, but when rubber meets the road, consumers aren't going to pay more. Uh, we've done the research it it doesn't it doesn't consumers aren't going to they may feel good by saying they will but at the end of the day they're not going to uh so that's where partnership and collaboration and enabling sustainable packaging is 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 very much in process um i would tell you that i five years ago probably would have expected sustain more products to be recyclable um than they are today. Um, and that's really tied to a number of things, but mainly uh, is that materials, again, going back to that material selection conversation, 
materials were designed to run really fast. And those materials that run really fast predominantly are mixed material, which are not recyclable. So when you look at the output associated versus of a non-recyclable versus recyclable, it impacts in, in a number of different ways. And so then on top of that, you have materials that as they stand today, cost more just without even worrying about the operational uh, challenges that, that you're faced with. So there's a number of things that are at play, but I think ultimately it, it circles back to making sure that we're doing the right thing for the environment and we're enabling the environment and overall sustainability to, to be real and to actually happen. It's so complex. I, I know we're just saying, like, it's, you know, we're, we're not going to Mars or, or anything like that here. But at the same time, you know, if it if you can run fewer linear feet per hour through the machine, then there's more time on the machine. There's more greenhouse gas emissions there. Like, holy cow, like, you just cannot escape all these different things that need to be worked out. And you need people to understand that all of those factors come into play here. It's a really difficult story to, to communicate easily. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, and I, I, oh, there is a major brand, a major brand that we all know. And, and I'm the, but there's multiple major brands, but in specific, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about one specific and they are compensated they change their executive compensation to basically um, support and enable uh, going to more towards sustainable uh, packaging. But they're also compensated by their operational efficiencies. They're also compensated by their sales and by their output. And so there's multiple buckets. And they have made a, a, almost a, a decision that we're going to sacrifice one bucket in order to basically be able to increase or improve the other buckets. Um, now, they're not totally ignoring sustainable packaging, but if they're going to make a sacrifice, that's what they're going to make until until they feel that it's a, another drop in the bucket. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny that the first place I ever saw the poster about you can have it, you know, two ways of the three, good, fast, or cheap was in a printing facility <laughs> as a young graphic designer. But it's almost like now you can have it two ways of four. It's good, fast, cheap, or sustainable, you know? So pick two. <laughs> there's, a, there's no way you can have all four. You, uh, you have no idea how much I love that you just brought that up because when I was a kid, that was what my dad taught me. Um, I mean, my dad was the CEO of a packaging company. And he, it was either good, fast, or cheap. You got to pick two. Um, and... Uh, and I remember that conversation so clear. Uh, I mean, I, I I think I was, I I was in middle school or early in high school, and and um, and now I, I I love the ad of the sustainable. It, it's it's so real and so true. And you still only get to pick two. <laughs> like we, yeah. we, it's not like you can pick three now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. That's frustrating. <laughs> 
Well, Jonathan, it's been, uh, I don't think we've solved all the problems today, but we've uh, at least peeled the, back some of the edges of them. And uh, I think it's been a, just a fascinating conversation. I've enjoyed exploring this with you today. Thank you so much. No, thank you both. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, and thank you both for all that you do, uh, because the world's a better place because of, of people like you and because of your ability to uh, help us all see what, what makes this world go round. Appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.